Hi, this is Andrew Choi of Supernormal, the premium art collectible society. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the super podcast that's always bringing you to the edge of what the new normal will be in the future of tech. Stay tuned. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how all of today's guests are amplifying human connection and expression through art and NFTs. And why being challenged by your team can sometimes bring about the greatest possible results. Plus, hear all about Pepe Soho and the badassery happening in Art Basel in Miami in just a couple of short weeks. And don't forget, we put together a gathering called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the Web3 space. Head to NFTLA.live to get tickets to our new, bolder, better, but just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's guest is Andrew Choi, CEO of Super Normal, a gateway into premium luxury art, fashion, and more in Web3. Andrew was previously tech lead and SWE at Coinbase, Microsoft, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and IBM. Supernormal is a premium art-focused society that challenges what it means to be extraordinary. Supernormal values art in all forms and cherishes diversity across all areas. Andrew, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's really great to have you here to talk about Supernormal. Thank you, everybody, for the welcome. Yeah, Andrew, it's so good to see you again. Speaking of extraordinary, I am still dreaming about that Korean barbecue. That was like the best Korean barbecue I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I can't exactly recall the restaurant name, but yeah, it was one good restaurant. Yeah, it was great to meet you and start to build these bridges. We talked about the importance of everyone understanding what's going on in Asia and in folks in Asia understanding what's going on in L.A. and just giving your roots in LA and what you're up to, to expand the understanding of this amazing technology in Asia. We just couldn't be more delighted to have you here. Likewise. Again, thanks so much for the welcome and hospitality. Thank you. Yeah, dude, it's so great to have you. Yeah, we always like to start with a little bit of background on projects. So you know, you have a pretty darn bold vision for Supernormal and you're willing to executing against it. But give us a little bit of the origin story, man. How did this thing evolve? That's actually one of the most commonly asked just because... The way I met Zipsy, who is also the co-founder and the chief illustrator of our Web3 brand, is so fascinating. So I actually met Zipsy, who is the artist, through audio social media platform called Clubhouse. So so Clubhouse was actually very big in, if I remember correctly, 2020. I like how we get to talk about Clubhouse like it's retro. (laughs) Yeah, time flies. 2020, 2021, it was like early 2021, I think. And then... I was in a lot of rooms in the application, but one of the rooms or sessions that I was talking in was actually Zipsy telling her story of how she was sort of suffering through her artwork and her illustrations and her illustrative products being used in some parts of Asia for commercial reasons in an illegal way without giving her any permissions and without giving her any credit. And then back then, the NFT boom and Web3 boom was also kicking in. And then me having this technical background from Coinbase, Microsoft, and LinkedIn, and seeing that Zipsy has a very, very extensive creative and illustrative background, working with companies like DC, Marvel, Netflix, I thought there couldn't be a better way to form synergy between this technical aspect of myself and illustration background of Zipsy. So that's how we got started. And then when we launched in February, I honestly didn't think it would be this explosive. Yeah, that's always great. And it's always interesting to hear from people who have things be explosive, talk about how they weren't expecting it, right? It just reminds you that we have a lot of hustle theme on this podcast, the different people involved. It's just a matter of hustling until things roll. You guys have five subdivisions, NFT, Couture, Atelier, a Metaverse, and Editions. Interesting way to subdivide things. Could you walk us through each of these and tell us what they entail? 
Yeah, absolutely. So NFT is our Genesis NFT collection, which fundamentally started the roadmap of Supernormal back in February of this year. So the NFT sector, NFT subdivision, or we call it vertical, is what people typically know Supernormal as, which is the 8,888 NFTs, which is our IP. And the Couture is our studio business where we actually very closely work with Web2 brands, Web2 celebrities, as well as Web2 conglomerates and companies that are not very familiar with Web3, especially with respect to understanding the meta and the flow of the ever-changing Web3 marketing tactics and et cetera. So far, I have seen that so many companies in the Web2 coming into Web3, not knowing the marketing strategy and how that Web2 sort of tactic has a huge disconnect with how the NFT collectors and NFT followers view. It's fascinating. Yeah. So I found that there's a big gap between the two. And that's Atelier is exactly the business where we understand the marketing, especially in the Asian Korea zone, the marketing aspect, as well as developmental services like smart contract, minting optimized gas contracts, and more importantly, the customized way of launching your NFT collections. Like if you're going to do Dutch auction, if you're going to do just whitelist, or if you're going to do multi-phased minting process in a most optimized way. And then the most premier option in the Atelier is that you can actually use our art IP. So what a lot of brands like to do with Supernormal is they want to take Supernormal's art IP and then co-brand it together. So instead of just us providing the developmental service, they actually use our IP and art to co-brand it so that it becomes like Supernormal X, that company name, and then we launch. The Metaverse is our gamification and Metaverse platform. We are currently have partnered with quite a few large, big-sized metaverse platforms to build our own universe. That One of them is the World Wide Web, and then the other one, I just cannot name it yet. And then the additions is our IP contents business, where we're going to monetize our IP of our brand into the Web2 aspects like Webtoon, webcomic, web drama, and ultimately, even animation series in a video drama format. Yeah, a lot going on there. And it is interesting for you to sort of also deliver that. I'm noticing there's a combination of having a specialty in Asian markets and in the Web3 market, like trying to access Asian marketing. It's totally different than in the West or other countries. It sounds like you've got kind of a one-two punch there, which is interesting, where you can both address that problem that people have, but also address the Web3 problem. And then I'm sure there's an intersection of how to market to that audience within Web3. So very interesting to learn about that from you. I forgot to mention this here is our couture for business vertical, which is our third business vertical. As you know, I mean, you guys are all very much Web3 experts and connoisseurs, but many, if not most NFT critical projects, they claim to say they're bridging the gap between Web2 and Web3. And that's sort of become the very cliche and something, a quote that everybody says to make themselves look differentiated than the other projects. But the way we're structuring a couture business is that Supernormal is known for having a very luxury premium art that is loved by virtually everybody because they can find a avatar or quote-unquote PFP that they can resonate with. Amongst these NFTs, we have over thousands and traits that are very unique, they're very high quality, that are very premier and has that luxury feeling. And in these NFTs, supernormal avatars, there are certain ones that are very much high demand, and there are certain ones that are more popular than the others. In particular ones, like the most popular ones, we are actually translating these digital traits into physical products that becomes fashion clothes. And we have our own internal designer and manufacturing producing pipeline so that this physical bridging becomes a reality. Cool. Thanks for elucidating that. That's fascinating. I'm on the website right now, by the way. I see what you're saying about the themes of it. It's kind of very pleasing, very inviting, and it's got a certain pedigree to the feeling of it, which is fun. I'm just trying to put myself in your head, Andrew, as a guy that come from so many traditional businesses and how they've reached the masses and scaled. And you're doing it in such a unique way where now art is part of your life every single day in such a meaningful way. It's a grandiose vision that you guys have. And you have the chops from a technical background, just given all these companies that you've worked for to make this happen. Would love to sort of just understand how this vision came about, how you and Zipsy collaborate. Like, how big is your team now? Just give us a sense of what came together here. Yeah, great question, Josh. Honestly, 
I think you're absolutely right. The aspect of art and the aspect of respecting and appreciating illustrations and artwork has become exponentially higher than when I was working in a traditional firms and tech companies in Silicon Valley. Because as you know, I come from a very engineering background in Silicon Valley, where everything is techy and very non-creative. So I would say right now we have a team of between you know 12 to maybe 15. And our vision is that high class art always prevails, even though NFT scene has sort of over the course of past two or three years become a more speculative and very like speculative investment type of medium. But I think over the next five or six or seven years, the element of art, especially high class premium art is going to settle in and that's going to take more share and more percentage of the NFTs. So I think that's sort of the reason and that's the motivation why I want a Supernormal to be a art narrative brand rather than rather than just an NFT project that has mediocre art but has all these promises in behind. Because even if we have just this art, which is drawn by Zipsy and our generator's art can replicate it to 8,000 pieces, people are going to still appreciate the art, especially the collectors who come here for the sake of art and the buyers who come here to appreciate artwork of Zipsy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about this in an event we hosted on Monday in LA that you really have to separate the market conditions from the fact that we've had an art revolution the last two years. And it's changed everything about digital art, the value of digital art, the application of digital art into society. Yeah, it's a whole other level. And But one of the things, though, that's interesting, Andrew, is you're not just exclusively focused internally. You're working with other brands to help them establish their presence in Web3 on the foundation of these ethos we're talking about here. So how does that work? So I think that question can be best answered with actual concrete examples. In the past, we launched again February. In the past, the types of brands that we worked with include, one of them is a huge celebrity in Korea. I would say the level of his presence in Korea is like Tom Cruise of Korea. He was actually the main actor behind Narco Saints in Netflix, which was a huge hit. So his name is Ha jung and his agency actually reached out to Supernormal, wanting to use Supernormal's IP. And then we licensed our IP to his company. And then he would actually sort of re-identify and redraw and re-illustrate on top of Supernormal's art. And then that would become the derivative collection of his NFT. So that was a huge hit in Korea because, again, he is one of the most respected actor in Korea, but also he himself is an artist. Second example, I would say, is Waterbomb. So Waterbomb is sort of like Coachella of Korea, where it's the biggest fest- offline festival in Korea, where you have these like singers, K-pop idols, celebrities performing at the front stage, and then tens of thousands of people would come. So what we did is, it's a hugely high-demand festival, so you cannot really get in with just a simple ticketing. What we did is we created a collaborative NFT collection with Waterbomb, Supernormal X Waterbomb, and then the entrance ticket would be sort of the utility behind it, as well as food and beverage and merch and other offline benefits. And then we also collaborated offline where we actually held a large booth in the Waterbomb Festival scene called Supernormal, and then we would attract tens and thousands of people for Supernormal. And then I think the next brand partnership that we're going to have in the next quarter, which is December, January, and February, March. I think that's going to be a very, I would say, differentiating and a large and hasn't been seen in the NFT scene before. It's going to be massive, guys. Andrew's being modest. It's going to be mega. Yeah, obviously, I'm very careful not to just reveal everything because we haven't formally announced yet, but it is with a unicorn company, also an IP brand that holds thousands and millions and actually more than 10 million sort of like fandom around the world. So to my knowledge, NFT scene hasn't seen this before. And we're sort of framing this very similar to how Artifact and Nike did it and how Gucci and 10KTF did it. So I'm very happy about the progress and I can't not wait to share with you all. Cool. Yeah, exciting stuff. And I think we have such a valuable moment here with you on the show and having being so integrated into the development of Web3 within the Asian economy. I'd love to just get your comments on kind of like the distinct developments, but as well as the integration and your vision kind of globally moving forward in tech and entertainment and art and all these things. 
How is the globe evolving from your perspective and all this stuff? I think that NFT and Web3 in general is evolving. Like it's ever-changing. It's evolving at a rate that I have not seen before. I come from tech background, as I said, and even tech in Silicon Valley is considered moving very fast. But when I entered the blockchain space during Coinbase, I learned that NFT space and Web3 space is changing and evolving at a rate that I haven't seen in any other sectors and industries, including in the areas of marketing, in the areas of development, in the areas of social engineering, in all these aspects, not just in the meta or the minting meta. And I say that because companies like Azuki, you know, they launched revolutionary new smart contracts and all of these new technologies for the benefit of entire Web3. And, you know, companies like Artifact, they're like showing the world how actual digital can be done in a very global sense. And companies like 10KTF is showing how a proper Web2 partnership can be done with the luxury brand. And then hopefully my vision with Supernova is that how we can set an example of how Korea and Asian NFT brand can partner with, a, <laughs> I cannot name it, but such brand to show an example of how this can be the future roadmap for projects that want to take this path. You can't name it because it's hard to pronounce or something? Because if you say it, we'll help you with the pronunciation. Like, it should be a problem. <laughs> Andrew's coming to NFTLA, guys. Let's bring this brand with you and we'll tell the story there, okay? Yeah, at that point, you guys will understand why which <laughs> is such a tough thing. But the point is that I think from both technical standpoint, from marketing standpoint, and from also a trend standpoint, it's changing so fast. And super normal, we identify this and we understand that our company and our team has to move at this pace. And that's why, especially with a Web3 development service, Web2 brands, we try to customize it, everything the way that they want to. And we give advice as to, okay, this is the right meta to follow. And this is the technical component that needs to be coupled with. That's very exciting. And you guys aren't stopping there. Of course, given sort of your comprehensive approach to this space, you're also messing around with the metaverse and you've acquired some land and different platforms. What's your strategy when it comes to the metaverse and your thoughts on where that fits in? There's always, of course, these conversations in the ether about whether or not we're ready for the metaverse, how do you activate the metaverse in a meaningful way? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think the question around metaverse has been one of the most hot topics in the space for almost like the last 12 months now. Actually, I met the founder of Spatial, which is a 3D metaverse exhibition space. So they're tackling the metaverse space with the narrative of showing and displaying your NFT art in the most convenient and extensive 3D space. And for us, we don't want to just stop at just displaying our beautiful artworks, although that itself is a huge value. We actually purchased a penthouse, which is our most expensive land plot within World Wide Web. We also purchased Sandbox and Decentraland and NFT Worlds, Metaverse plots, knowing that there's going to be multiple winners in the Metaverse space in the next several years. And specifically, what we want to do is, because we want to position ourselves as most premier luxury Web3 brand, we want to build a universe in, let's say, Sandbox, for example, but also because we have such huge Web2 partners in the form of fashion brands or companies, entertainment companies, for example, we're going to work with them and then build a co-hosted universe together where both our fans, super normal fans, and then also their partner fandoms communities can work together and then build economic activity or like a virtual playground, and then also like a fashion game within the metaverse where the holders of Supernormal NFTs can dress up with the traits from Supernormal, but also from the traits from our partners' IEP. So that's like the ultimate vision where we have integrated form of fashion aspect of metaverse, NFTs, collectibles, wearables, as well as the partner companies. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense for that to be hub of so much activity. You mentioned earlier this partnership with World Wide Web. What was that about? Like, what was that story there? And what else should we expect from that collaboration? Yeah. So, one of the most popular traits at Supernormal is something called Candy Hoodie Zips. Candy Hoodie is a very colorful Supernormal, or we call it Zip every avatar. So, a Zip wearing the hoodie with the Candy Hoodie design embroidered. So, we actually took that design and made it interoperable within the World Wide Web. And then, whoever holds the Supernormal is now playing with that character 
because we also bought a penthouse in the World Wide Web, only our holders can go to the penthouse and decorate and build and construct and place items and accessories and do all the things that they can imagine and within the World Wide Web. So there's the aspect of decorating our own penthouse in a community scale. We also have this 3D uh, voxel character that holders can wear in the World of Web, in which World Wide Web team also hosts mini games and games and contests. That's cool. You guys recently announced the beginning of a new chapter here with your mystery box. What's in the mystery box? Like, tell us about the mystery box. This is also something currently in the unreveal stage, but it is tightly connected to and very tightly tangled to our vision of season two. We also hinted the element of hanyak. So hanyak is actually a Korean way of saying herbal medicine in the traditional medicine. And the way it works is that if you consume the hanyak, you get this new superpower and new ability to do extraordinary things or supernormal things. So Mystery Box is very much connected to Season 2 Hanya. And in the next coming weeks and months, we will be rolling out the specific roadmap. Nice. There's nothing like superpowers. My five-year-old is all about superpowers right now and bestowing them. Papa, do you want to be able to fly? Right? Are you going to touch this or whatever? It's the magic never dies on superpowers. It doesn't, man. And I was just talking to someone the other day about what Marshmallow did for an NFT. He did a live concert where there was a certain dance move that was unlocked with an NFT where suddenly he's flying on stage. And if you had the NFT, you could fly around during watching his show, which is such an amazing example of putting this type of magic into existence. So If there's anything to do with flying, which I know you're not going to tell us, that would be pretty cool, but I'm sure it's going to be a fun superpower. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of it, growing up, my aspirations and my dream was be able to fly, actually. So it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, man. So when we look ahead, we've talked about a lot. You got this massive project with all these verticals and you're actually executing against them. But is there anything that you can tell us about what's next on the roadmap that we haven't touched on already? We know there's a lot of secrets, but what else is out there? To give some context of over our historical timeline, some of our partners included like Twitter, Tastify, Cider, Shinsegae, which is the largest department store in Korea, Waterbomb, Tatler, etc. Twitter, for example, was, I believe we were the first NFT project ever to partner with Twitter to do a live streaming show of the actual artist drawing lifetime in front of 300k audience, things like that. And then in the past, we've done Coachella, an offline activation event. Would it have been easier to achieve that partnership or harder with Elon Musk involved? This is my question. To my knowledge, Elon Musk is the biggest fan or follower of NFTs. Honestly, I think it's either yes or no. Either yes or no. That's a good answer. (laughs) I do remember when Elon did release an NFT early on. I don't know if, if you guys checked that out. It was very early on when things started to get buzzy. And then he had some ridiculous asking price. And then he immediately withdrew it. I think he fell in over his head on the NFT space. He's sticking to Dogecoin. I got to imagine, though, that there's the sort of digital collectible NFT division of Twitter is just begging him not to diss on NFTs because this is a community that will quickly and radically move platforms. And there's a lot of activity on Twitter around NFTs and It would be a big move for us. I think we enjoy Twitter. We like it. We kind of have our own little NFT bubble on Twitter. I can say this because you did your partnership before Elon jumped in the the bubble, but I know someone who works at Twitter and they're dealing with everything. And I've heard literally, number one, they think that he may be trying to destroy it actively, (laughs) which I have no idea why he would, but that's the way it feels. And that, yeah, things are not going necessarily very well right now internally. Were you going to say something, Andrew? Yeah, no, I was just going to continue saying that these value-adding partnership with actual Web2 companies and Web2 brands, they're all dedicated towards achieving our dream of giving back the values to holders in a both digital and physical way, and also providing a fun experience, an interactive experience, because it's all about flexing and working together and having fun as a community. So yeah, Twitter Korea was one instance. Casetify, we did a blue ring partnership for free to holders, the cases. Waterbomb was a huge success, NFT NYC. And in Korea, there's also a physical exhibition and sort of like a museum style place called Seoul Art Center. And it is the biggest opera house and art center in Korea. And we were the only and the first NFT project to be featured in the Seoul Art Center offline. 
So that was also a very proud moment for our community. And then we did conference at NFTR Tokyo, NFT Asia, and Singapore. And then last month, I was invited to Blockchain Week Busan to talk about Strapagromo and the success story behind it, as well as the interoperability of NFTs in the Web3 space alongside speakers like CZ and SBF, which could have been very awkward if the accident happened back then, not today. We always ask that question about moving the needle for you or what's inspiring you, but gosh, everything that you're doing and actually executing against is, I think, inspiring for us and our listeners. So it's really cool to hear from you across all those different verticals and how you're working toward this vision that you laid out in a really short period of time. You've accomplished a lot. So I'm really excited to see what's next. You have questions about blockchain? Like how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. What's next for us on the show, though, is a different segment where we want to shift gears a little bit. It's called Edge Quick Hitters. And what we like to do is to get to know you a little bit better with 10 set questions that we ask every guest. Looking for short responses, but we may dive a little bit deeper here or there. Let's do it, man. Let's head to question number one. And that is, what is the first thing that you remember ever purchasing in your life? First thing I remember purchasing in my life, it's got to be, uh, depends on where you live, soccer ball or football and a Yu-Gi-Oh collectible card. I think there was back then a little bit of aspect of NFT, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh collectible. Oh yeah. It's in your DNA. Yeah? Question number two, what's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Yeah, I'm not a big seller. So I don't remember anything except maybe a stock, which was a, I think just the S&P 500 index fund. That's yeah. awesome. I don't think we've had that first sale ever. Yeah, I don't think so. That was the moment Andrew went all in on crypto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, question three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing that I purchased was uh, Zips, which is a supernova NFT. It's 100% not because of what I know about the company, but it's more because, as I said, I have a huge collector's mindset and I just love Zipsy's artwork. Okay, question number four. What's the most recent thing you sold? The most recent thing I sold, again, not a big seller, so I don't remember selling anything offline. But I think there's something I sold digitally, which has to be stock, crypto, or a NFT. But NFT, yeah, I haven't sold anything, not planning to. So it's going to be a stock. So I think it's some random stock that I bought in 2018, the cluelessly, that is not the fangs, like non-fangs. Yeah, yeah you got it. Got it. Got it. Out of blue chip. Okay. Question number five. I think we know what it's not, but what's your most prized possession? This is a more open-ended question because possession can mean a physical thing or a conceptual thing or abstract thing. So I think my most prized possession is the experience that I built over my career, which fundamentally led to successfully building a team around Supernormal and the teammates that I dearly appreciate. One of my favorite answers ever. That's awesome. Although I thought he was going to say the experience right here on the Edge of an NFT podcast. That's what I wanted him to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Turn yeah. the corner yeah. on that one. I would say I'm not media trained. Yeah, but that's part of the experience, though, right? Because he is here. Awesome. Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service, or an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? Yeah, I would say if I could buy anything in the world, I want to buy time with the most entrepreneurial, not necessarily successful or rich billionaires, but very deep-minded, very entrepreneurial CEOs and founders and even investors and incubators who have just overwhelming vision around empowering the world, empowering underserved communities and tackling the most edge technology. Yeah, man. so much to learn from those guys, right? Question number seven, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? 
I would say not even learn to accept mistakes and learn to accept criticism, but love to accept criticism, love to accept feedbacks, and even love to be hated sometimes because if nobody's going against your opinion, then what you're doing is not innovative at all. I'm not so sure about that answer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So flip side of that, Andrew, uh, question eight is if you could eliminate one of those personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Yeah, if I could eliminate one personality traits that I have is too much being all in on work and work and work. It's just something I'm addicted to, but I know for a fact that work-life balance has to be there in order to bring a higher performance. Yeah, and we know the feeling. Question number nine. What'd you do just before joining us today on the podcast? I actually had a terrible cold and I don't even know if it was a cold or if it was a some minor virus that I caught, but I recovered. So just before the podcast, I went to a networking dinner with the global head of operations at Sandbox, as well as one of the partners at uh, ROK Capital, which is one of the largest crypto funds in Korea. Those guys are great. I also had Korean barbecue with them. And I think I had Korean barbecue with the team in Sandbox too. That was the theme of my trip to, to Seoul. That's what I thought. I mean, I was like, yeah, Josh must have seen this, guys. Nice. All right. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Last question. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Oh, I'm going to let you answer that. Ooh, nice. You want us to decide what you get to do after the podcast? I don't think it's fed because I think you said you're staying up. So getting back to work, I guess, huh? Or having some cream barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sleep. Nice, man. Nice. Looks like uh, we may have a bonus question in that mix too, huh? I got one. Yeah. I was going to ask what superpower would you pick if you could pick one, but you already revealed that earlier, that your dream superpower is flying. So my question is, how close have you come to achieving your dream superpower of flying? You've probably been in a plane, but have you done like a jet pack or a flying car or one of those squirrel suits or something? Or Yes, I used to, and I still do go on Instagram Reels and occasionally TikTok, the feed page. I just love watching people do bungee jumps and skydiving and all these aerial activities. So yeah, I'm very jealous. I'm sure I'm going to do it sometime before I die. I think even watching like Tom Cruise do these like scenes without CG. So I think that's pretty amazing. So yeah, I haven't come close to that. I think the first time Andrew is going to do it is when he's in a movie about Supernormal and they force him <laughs> to do it in the movie. Nice. Well, that's Edge Quick Hitters, man. We appreciate you sharing with us. Good stuff. Good answers. Lots of fun. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Word on the street is we have a very special hot topic, actually. So, Ethan, let me kick that over to you. By the way, Jeff, you don't need to go out to the street to find this stuff out. We have it in our notes for the show that this stuff's going on. But yeah, you're totally right. Hot Topics is next. 
Today's sponsored hot topic is about Jeff Dobney, Austin Yavorsky, and Dallas Santana. And you guys can all come on, be part of the conversation now. They represent Pepe Soho, an award-winning nature and landscape photographer from Mexico, who, following a series of life-changing events, developed a love for photography in his early 40s. During this therapeutic process of framing and capturing nature's purest moments, he discovered a path to healing and self-discovery. Fellas, welcome to Edge of NFT. Great to be here. I think it's uh, thematically appropriate, right? We're talking about flying a lot on this episode and sort of breaking new ground from a technological perspective with this incredible digital art revolution that we're in. And what you guys are doing with Pepe Soho is, is really cool. I'm so excited to hang out with you guys in Art Basel and just get to know more of the inspiration behind this project. But Austin, maybe you can kind of kick it off and tell us a little bit about Coming Home, which is the first NFT art collection that lives both in the metaverse and on the moon. So another place for Andrew to visit. There you go. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, we're all sort of career technology and crypto people for a very long time. And we were exposed to Pepe through just a wonderful network of people that we know in Latin America. He's a world award-winning photographer and really just has a tremendous focus on capturing nature in ways that I've personally never seen any artist do to the point where when you look at a lot of his photographs, you second guess whether or not they're actually real. So through a series of conversations about a year ago, we went down this path of, well, there's a lot of artists that are trying to do NFTs, but they're effectively not very good at it because they're just taking 2D representations and making them other 2D representations. There's a lot of programmers trying to do art, but they're not artists. How can we not only bridge the gap between those things, but also create a new experience that allows the artist to sort of step into a medium? Which is when we went down the path of the metaverse and the experiential side. So it's a really interesting collection in so much as that we're combining physical pieces with NFTs, with a metaverse experience. And then to top it all off, we were selected from a very small group of people internationally to have this represented on the next lunar mission through the Artemis mission of SpaceX and NASA in a foundation called the Arch Foundation, which is effectively responsible for capturing humanity and any evidence that we might have of our existence to future generations or other species, if you will. So yeah, that's kind of where it came from and where it's going. And we're super excited getting ready to launch here in about a month for the first drop. I'm on the Pepe Soho NFT Twitter. Maybe Andrew, I saw you Googling, maybe you're over there too. And this art is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, it's amazing. And a lot of it was how do you capture that experience that he felt in the moment to capture those images through his lens and allow other people to get even relatively close to that. And so the way that we did it was creating these very in-depth metaverse environments using some of the latest graphics engine technology, including sound and feelings and so on and so forth. So it's turned into something really, really quite interesting and that you're actually stepping into the pieces that were captured. Yeah. Holy cow. You can really see how special those are. If you get a chance for any of the listeners, definitely book around there. There's some amazing, really breathtaking stuff. You know, we want to also get you some more background on Pepe Soho. It's a really interesting story and just compilation of experiences that have really articulated themselves in these images, but it's an exceptional story. Give us some background. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Pepe is a dear friend of mine and an amazing human being. And he's been living this healing journey for the last 20 or so years. Previous to that, he always lived a life of arts. He was a nightclub owner. He was a fashion designer. He was a drummer in Los Angeles. But the Pepe Stoho story sort of starts there. But the healing journey started about 10 years ago when he found himself wildly successful and struggling to find his own happiness. And though he's won two World Photographic Cups and a gold medal in the Photographic Cup, also educated at the International Center of Photography in New York City. But Pepe is an open-hearted, beautiful, sensitive, vulnerable human being. And you see that in his artwork. And the last 10 or 12 years, he's dedicated on this journey of healing and helping others heal. And through that process, he opened up an immersive museum here in Tulum, Mexico called Mystica. 
in Mystica is an immersive meditative experiential museum. And about 50% of the people who enter Mystica leave with goosebumps, tears in their eyes and a pure visceral deep experience. And that's Pepe's goal. Pepe is 52 years old now, and his goal for the rest of his years is to help people have feelings that help them to feel better on their journey of healing. And knowing him and knowing him so well, he never likes to talk about those things, but highlighted in Forbes, Huffington Post, countless other things, a huge Dubai Expo called Expo Dubai 2020, where he did a pop-up and about 300,000 people entered his immersive sanctuary installation over the course of six months. So if Pepe were here with you today, he would tell you he's got one sole journey moving forward, and that is to help people feel good. Wow. Yeah. Look at some of those images of Mystica and even just the images of people responding to it. And you can see exactly what you mean, like the looks on their faces and just the raw emotion. Wow. Yeah. Super powerful. Very, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. He's such an amazing human being. And one of the most humanitarian artists that I've met in that he literally, when he's here at the museum... He's there from open to close. He's greeting people. He's even running tours. You know, he's in the gift shop. He's conceptualizing the next shoots and he's sharing that with everybody. And that's what makes Pepe so interesting and so accessible. If you're ever in Tulum, Mexico, he's not a hard person to find. He doesn't hide from people. He loves to have heart to heart conversations about their journey. And on top of being an amazing artist, he's an amazing listener and he does it all day long when he's at Mystica. I'm just reflecting on obviously a lot of differences, Andrew, but also some similarities with Zipsy in terms of her curiosity and focus on humanity and relationships. Yeah, I mean, I was going to actually resonate with that because when I was formulating the conceptual aspects of supernormal artwork is that she wanted to emphasize the elements of human emotions, human connections, and how, you know, female and male or, you know, just, you know, lovers express their feelings and emotions. And every aspect of that has been reflected on Supernormal's 8,888 avatars, which is why people can always find at least one character from the collection that they resonate with. Yeah, I'm sure there's like similarities with Pepe's work. You go to this gallery and there's just like one piece that just like moves you just because it speaks to you personally. You oftentimes see when you're inside of the gallery people up 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just standing in front of one of the large format pieces before they went into the immersive event, the immersions, and they're just looking at his 2D art and their mouths are open, their eyes are wet. They're usually talking to the person next to them, how they're having true feelings from their heart, from their soul. They're feeling it down the back of their neck. And this is common. And that's probably Pepe's superpower is that he's able to evoke that emotion through his work, but in a massive amount of people. Yeah, this theme of healing through art, music's included. I know it very well as like a musician and a creator, that feeling of almost needing to do art or music therapeutically. It just makes me feel better, helps me cleanse, things like that. And I don't know what the experience is for non-creators, but I do know I just had a conversation with a friend of mine actually a couple of days ago, and he was saying it's difficult for him to feel emotions. But one of the things he does is he puts on music. Like he has these go-to songs, if he's feeling sad, if he's feeling happy or whatever, he puts them on so that he can access those things. And so, yeah, that's the way I envision it. It's a partner relationship between creators and those that are consuming or experiencing art. And it's all around, like it's a like human necessity to varying degrees of people to access emotions around art. That's very cool. I wanted to touch base here with Dallas, who we have here, because I think you might be able to tell us a little bit about the Space Blue Luna Prize Art Museum, Mission to the Moon. I know Miami Art Week, Art Basel is coming up. Is the NFT call to action here for that? Sure. Well, we will be there during Miami Art Week and Art Basel. All of us will be gathered there. We're going to have Pepe's artwork on display there. And you can learn more about that and get on the guest list. We do have a VIP guest list, and you'd want to email VIP at spaceblue.club. Once again, that's VIP at spaceblue.club to get on the guest list and be a part of the experience there. We're really excited. We're going to have some of the engineers and scientists who are behind this project at Arch Mission who's going to be joining us in Galactic Legacy Labs and, of course, Space Blue. We've all come together, and we're really excited about working with Pepe. He represents the ultimate artist that represents humanity. This project is about bringing art, digital art, and engraved art, which ends up put on a payload on a lander. And this lander will be sent on SpaceX in the first quarter of this coming year. 
will be sent. It will land on the South Pole. The other day when the Artemis mission left to go to the moon, it was a big deal. It was a part of a $50 billion program with NASA. During that Artemis launch, they mentioned that there is going to be this project coming up, this lander, which will land there on the South Pole. It has a scientific mission, but it also has a very historical art mission. And we're taking art to the moon, not physical art, but engravings, twin copies. So with Pepe's artwork, his beautiful artwork, what's going to happen is that the engravings will be made, twins of this, onto these plates and put into the payload onto SpaceX on the Nova Sea lander that Intuitive Machines has created. And that will be sent to space. The testing on it has uh, indicated that this should survive for about a billion years. So if you think about art in the world and all the great excavations of art in the world, such as in Egypt and so forth, which goes back 5,000 years. Can you imagine a time capsule on the moon that's going to house Pepe's artwork for over a billion years? It's really exciting, and it provides something that's very valuable at this time in the NFT industry to have this sort of utility that's added to projects. So we're really excited about working with Pepe. Obviously, his artwork is beautiful. A stunning, and it absolutely represents Earth and humanity. So it's a good fit for our mission. We're really excited about working with him. Can we get Andrew on this ship, though, to the moon, too? Because he wanted to fly, <laughs> and we're getting him closer and closer to that goal. So I don't let us know. Let us know. Sure. We definitely talk about that. We'd love to know more. We do want to represent everyone in the world that we possibly can represent from different regions. South Korea is obviously uh, very important to all of us in the world and technology and NFT innovation. So that's something we should definitely chat about. Thank you. By the way, you didn't mention we'll be there as well. So some of the edge of NFT crew will be on site hanging out with these folks in the Wynwood area, which is really a really special part of Miami. So Ariel, Audrey, myself, Ethan will be making our way to Miami right after Thanksgiving and hopefully shake off that food coma and experience some beautiful art. And I appreciate the invitation, guys. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to mention to make sure we touched on which is that coming home minting and pre-sale and how folks can get involved there. So just wanted to make sure we got that out as well. Is that something you could share? Yeah, right now, if you go to pepesoho.io, which is the one dedicated for the NFTs, there's a countdown, there's a sign up going on there. We will have at Art Basel the actual experience. So this is with VR headsets. If anybody wants to come by and have that experience firsthand, you're welcome to. We have a lot of private collectors that we've already shown them early stage things and looks like it's going to be a pretty substantial event. So we encourage anybody to either go to the website or if you're in Miami, come see us there. We will be there for Art Basel and we're also staying on for Techno Art, which happens the 8th through the 10th of December. So it's going to be about two, three weeks there in Miami. Nice. And I did want to touch base because I wanted to make sure we didn't miss it if we had one here. But do we have a little giveaway that we had queued up? I'd seen it in the notes before. But it might have slipped through the cracks here. I just wanted to check in with you guys on that. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some stuff on socials. So check out on Twitter and Discord to see what that's going to be. It's going to be interesting. Nice. Awesome. That's cool. And speaking of that, where should we send folks for your various social handles? Want to make sure they have it dialed as far as where to follow you, the project, and everything y'all got going on. You can find us on Pepeso NFT on Twitter, Discord channels linked there as well. And yeah, big community. Like we said, the project's been going on for a bit over a year, and we're finally getting to that point where the drop's coming. So it is very interesting. We've had to shift around a little bit with launch schedules and whatnot, but as it's coming right now, it's getting down to the wire. So we're excited. Andrew, I'm sure you're familiar with that emotional state before the first drop, right? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but the TLDR is that it is very, very heart-wrenching in a positive way. It is a very exciting and enthralling moment. Well, Austin, Jeffrey, Dallas, thanks so much for joining us and sharing all the fun stuff you have going on around Pepe. So looking forward to experiencing more of it here real soon. Thanks so much for having us. Catch you on the flip side. Take care, y'all. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you. See you soon, guys. I wanted to move to our next segment here. It's one that we added relatively recently. It's an opportunity for us to give a little bit of love for people who are making a difference in our world. That's a little shout out section. So Andrew, we wanted to give the floor to you to do just that. I'm probably not going to do a favor for the podcast if I just say my whole team. But the other side of my brain says, if I pick actually <laughs> just two persons, then it just seems like 
Yeah, let's just acknowledge the extreme awkwardness of that and just say, let's give a shout out to your whole team, man. That's totally within reason because there's a lot of people involved. And I think clearly your consternation at making that decision shows that everybody's playing such a key role in what's going on with what you're up to. So, hey, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's just a given the fact that the team gets more credit than than I do. And I think that the more important distinction that I want to sort of express is that the more and more scalable your business and your product, your brand becomes, and the more awareness your NFT project increases, the more you appreciate that the teammates, especially the ones that I can delegate my work to, because there's that operation size and there's that the other side. But if I try to do everything myself, it's just an automatic burnout. So that's the reason I daily feel gratitude towards my teammates. Awesome. No one is an island. Big shout out to the team making it happen. And before we let you go, we also wanted to make sure that we knew where to send our listeners to follow you, to follow the project, to follow this amazing team that's doing so much. Where should we send them? For the Supernormal brand, it's going to be www.supernormal.art, A-R-T, to basically celebrate art. So we put our domain as supernormal.art. And to learn more about me, it's going to be Andrew Choi. So my first name and last name combined, dot club. So A-N-D-R-E-W-C-H-O-I dot club. Got it. Great. And hey, we also heard we have a giveaway around a supernormal NFT. What's the scoop on this? Yeah. So supernormal NFT is our genesis, ma'am, where all the utilities, where all the rewards, and obviously the artwork itself, we believe is the utility too. The artwork utility, the rewards utility, and anything related to our future crop fertility are all funneled into Supernoma NFT. So we're giving away the Supernoma NFT. Beautiful. Yeah. So keep an eye on our socials to all of our listeners who get all the details on how to enter the contest to have a shot at winning that super valuable, super normal NFT. So we really appreciate it. Very gracious of you. At this moment in time, there's only 3,698 owners in the world of this prized NFT that continues to hold value and create value in the world. That's right. And as we mentioned earlier, we have Pepe Soho giveaway. So keep an eye out on socials for that too. Really special episode of very generous giveaway. So we appreciate it. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.